Let us worship God. This morning is from the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. Amen. They came to the other side of the lake, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there were on the hillside a great herd of swine that was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned in the lake. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. i 
The continuation of our gospel reading, the gospel of Mark, chapter 5, starting with the 14th verse. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Here ends the reading of our gospel. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be blessed in your sight, our creator, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes I do something that's selfish, immature, and petty. And when that happens, my partner Herb doesn't respond with anger. He knows that this is not who I really am and that I'm under the temporary influence of someone else's voice, the voice of my mother, Dora. (laughs) While I deeply loved my mother, she had a gift for melodrama. Sometimes so do I. So in response to my drama, Herb speaks directly to that part of me and starts calling me by her name. Okay, Dora, thanks for sharing. (laughs) Soon we're both laughing and I'm back in my right mind. And yes, when Herb says or does something that's controlling, rigid, or cranky, I'll call him Ed after his father. In our scripture reading for today, Jesus crosses a lake. As soon as he steps ashore, he encounters a man who is not in his right mind. He is possessed by that which is not his true self. Perhaps he is besieged by mental illness, could be a response to trauma, or maybe some force beyond our rational framework has taken hold of him. Maybe all the above. Whatever possesses him, he is suffering, self-harming, and is ostracized by his community. So let's think for a moment about the symbolism of demonic possession, being possessed by a voice that is not our true self, not who we are in God. Each of us has a wound that is deep, usually from early in life. If seen, heard, held, tended, and loved, that part of us can relax. If ignored, repressed, demonized, that wound gets projected outward, often unconsciously, as we speak and behave in ways that harm ourselves and others. We become possessed by what we have dispossessed. When Jesus meets the man, he speaks directly to the possessing voice. 
The voice replies, why are you here? What business do you have with us? Leave us be. The defense mechanism kicks in, but Jesus persists and asks the voice for its name. When something can be named, including those parts of ourselves that lurk in shadows, those things we hide even from ourselves, they can be recognized for what they are. Naming what is, is a starting place. It creates relationship in which healing can occur. We are ultimately people of God, made of God's stuff, brought into being by the voice of God. Jesus speaks as that voice to the voices within us that are unhealed, to those thoughts, words, and behaviors that harm. They are part of us, but not the final truth of who we really are. From the truth of our being, who we really are, we can safely look at our own shadows, our own wounds that sometimes possess us without judgment and with God. We can take an honest look at what lies within, name and accept it so that it no longer holds power over us, so that we can notice it without becoming it. And this honest look within sees not only our personal wounds, but also the fears and prejudices of our society that we have internalized. So I grew up in Texas. And while I had many, many blessed experiences there and is a wonderful place to grow up, I can also still hear within me the echo of racial epithets and racist jokes I heard as a child. They sometimes surface into my conscious awareness when I'm fearful or tired or agitated. And in those moments, I can pretend that I'm not having such thoughts, or I can shame myself that they still exist within me, or I can acknowledge the demonic, racist language, and name it for what it is, a lie. Instead of ignoring it or judging myself, I own up to what is going on within me. I allow myself to feel the discomfort and be vulnerable in the presence of God. I then center down into the heart of God where God love dissolves the lies. The work of healing hate in the world begins with our own healing. What unhealed places lie within you? And what vestiges of old toxic voices still echo in you? The fact that these voices lurk within our hearts does not make us bad people. It makes us human, flawed, imperfect. And each of us, if we're honest, will notice the tug of fear or twinge of discomfort within us. We notice a subtle or not so subtle closing of our hearts. 
The question is not whether our hearts more easily open toward some people than others. The question is how we respond. Instead of pretending it's not there or shaming ourselves for it, we bring our discomfort and our vulnerability to God. And in the presence of unconditional love, God love, we are able to face our inner demons. We notice where a prejudice has taken up residence. And we ask God to open our hearts just a little bit more, and a little more, and a little more, and a little more, so we become more like Jesus, more like God's radical love in human form. In our Bible story, Jesus asks for a name. The voice replies, I am legion for we are many. Legion. A Roman legion was a unit of about 6,000 soldiers. The demonic forces inside the man are many, and a battle is underway for his soul. Possession by false voices, battle for the soul, pain looking for a scapegoat, is not only personal, it's also collective. It is legion in our nation and in our world. Collective fear, grievance, grief, anger, unhealed wounds, untended trauma are projected outward in a legion of harmful words and deeds. Racism, misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, the inner demons are cast onto scapegoats that are ostracized and demonized. Now in the story, the town folk ostracize a troubled man and feel good about themselves. Richard Rohr calls this the cult of innocence. The cult of innocence trains us to focus on maintaining an image of blamelessness and purity by demonizing and scapegoating. Rather than allowing our shadows to be dismantled and transformed in God, the cult of innocence doubles down on them in order to feel good, pure, and right. In this cult of innocence, which has much of our country in its trance, Religion is used to reinforce the facade of purity. Right now, in the name of Jesus, trans people are demonized. Racism is whitewashed. Jews, Muslims, immigrants, and queer folk are ostracized, vilified, and even killed in the name of Jesus. In the name of of Jesus, we name this for what this is, the demonic voice of hate. None of this is of Jesus, of God, or of love. The cult of innocence brainwashes, confuses, and possesses otherwise good folks preying on their fear and their desire to feel good about themselves, which leads them to project harm outward while believing they were doing so in the name of love. 
Some of us have been on the receiving end of the cult of innocence. During my last year of seminary, in fact, the last month, I finally came to accept the truth. I'm gay, and that's not going to change. And in one sense, it was a relief. There was no more angsty hand-wringing over my sexual orientation. It was now clear, and it was liberating, and it was frightening. I was about to graduate, be ordained, into a denomination where my sexuality, if known, would make me an outcast and get me fired instantly. Yet I had no other viable options. My whole life was interwoven in that church. So I prayed. I prayed, God, I surrender to you. I've followed you to this point, and I don't know what else to do. Help me, be with me, guide me. I trust you. So I accepted a call to a church in a Dallas suburb, and for the next year, next five years, I lived what I called the agony and the ecstasy. The ecstasy of everything I anticipated loving about the ministry. And the agony of hiding my sexuality, lying about my personal life, hearing homophobic comments, and feeling like a fraud when someone at church complimented me or we felt any kind of connection. That voice inside my head said, you wouldn't feel this way about me if you knew the truth about me. I was possessed by a fundamentalist theology that was tearing me apart. And through a lot of prayer and therapy and the help of friends, I came to a place of peace within myself about my true self. I came out to my parents, I resigned from the church, and once again, I called on God to accompany me on a journey with no clear pathway. Yet I knew that I did not go alone. With God, I began walking down a new road toward wholeness and truly unconditional love, which has led me to be here with you today. Some of us have been on the receiving end of the cult of innocence. Some of us have unwittingly been mesmerized by it. Some have experienced both. We embody both the dominant culture and also a marginalized community, white and female, male and gay, native-born and trans. We live at the crossroads of privilege and marginalization. Our Bible story concludes with the healed man at a crossroads. Sitting calmly back in his right mind, he wants to stay in the bliss and go with Jesus. But Jesus tells him, go home, share your story. Let everyone know how God has liberated you. If we go on this brave journey, face our inner demons, bring our vulnerable selves personally and collectively to God for healing. We do so in a society that would rather not change. We interact with people, sometimes our own family members, who would rather scapegoat 
than face uncomfortable places within. And on this Earth Sunday, we also face the uncomfortable truth of a climate crisis we humans have caused and our collective unwillingness to change how we live. And many deny that a crisis even exists or its disproportionate impact on the most vulnerable. We see what's going on with Mother Nature and politics and justice and war, and we feel like saying with the man in our story what he said, please, Jesus, take us away. Take us away from here. Take us with you. But Jesus says otherwise. And Jesus does something interesting in this story. In the Gospels, Jesus usually tells people he heals to keep it a secret, not to share what he did for them. And why he did that, well, that's a whole other sermon. But for this sermon, we focus on what he said to this man, which is, tell your story. Why did he tell him to do this when he usually did not do so for others? One explanation might be that the man is an outsider from the other side of the lake. He might not even be Jewish. At the very least, he's an outsider in his own community. And perhaps, just perhaps, outsiders. Those on the margins, those who have been scapegoated, have a particular calling. Perhaps outsiders understand God's love in a way that insiders don't, because God's love is all they could rely on. If you've experienced being an outsider, or if you identify as an ally and are working to heal false narratives, Jesus has a calling for you. Tell your story. Share who you are and what God is doing for you. Like Jesus, Meet people where they are, but not as they are. Meet hate in its internalized fear with a love that cannot be overcome. Name the demons when you see them, while also seeing the God within each possessed person. And when those dear status quo loving town folk resist, hold your boundaries and keep telling your truth with compassion, grace, and light. We need, we need a strong, loving self-truth that can hold its liberation come what may. And for us, this is the voice of Jesus within that names what is and liberates through us. We counter dominant narratives that oppress and ostracize. We refuse falsehoods. We say no to hurtful speech and actions. We seek new ways of living together and harmonious thriving with all people and our non-human kin. And we do it all with strong grace, with compassion, knowing that we, like everyone we encounter, are a God work in progress. So that's the call. Stay put, stay in relationship, stay in conversation, 
stay in solidarity with our sisters and brothers who are people of color, queer, trans, Jewish, Muslim, immigrants, and all those demonized by the cult of innocence. Staying put. We meet people where they are, but not as they are. We speak truth with clarity and compassion. We pray our way every day, Jesus, may your voice live, move, heal, and speak love's truth through us for our liberation and for the liberation of all.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Thank you. 
Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. The voice of God, the voice of all creation, lives within you. You are the voice of Jesus in this world. Speak with truth and compassion for the healing of all. And as you do, may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of Holy Spirit be and abide with you always. Amen. Thank you.